Welcome to the 34th Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure, Take the adventure with us. With us. With us. With us. With us. With us. And welcome back, everyone, to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel, where we survey all aspects of the world around us, from the ancient world to the cosmos. Today, we will be returning to our Classical Studies 101 course, our view, our, our look on antiquity. And we're going to be talking about the Iliad again. Uh, as always, please be sure to like the podcast and leave comments. That helps us. When you say nice things, nice things happen to us, and I think they happen to you as well. So we'll see, right? So we're going to do Chapter 9 today of the Iliad, and as always, our guide is the one, the only, Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome, Gary. Hi, good to see you again. Wherever Gary goes, there's an adoring throng of fans, so... All right, Gary, today, Chapter 9, we ended last week with Chapter 8. The Greeks had had a few setbacks. So what's going to go on in Chapter 9? Give us a little overview and then jump right in. Well, as I keep uh, introducing each time, um, in this uh, early Harvard version by uh, Langleaf and Myers, 1883, they have these little one-sentence summaries of each chapter. Uh Uh, And... uh, they call them books. I think I think they're called books. I'm I, I'm not sure about this because I think the originals were scrolls, right? And well, what's 24... the, what's the basis for whether they call they're called books or chapters? Is there anything? I I, I don't know. I'm just giving you my my theory. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there, there are 24 of these so-called books. I think each chapter is called a book because they were a scroll, you know, a separate roll mm-hmm. of paper. Do you know but, how long those that did it matter? How long those were? Were the scrolls of particular length? Or is there anything that you know from the modern standpoint? I, I, I'm not say, certain. Okay. I, I don't know. I can't mm-hmm. answer that. Okay. So I, this know, is they, the they couldn't book be nine. too long. They couldn't be as long as you know because you only roll so much on a on a on a stick. You know. Um, and, is uh, that why when we lose parts of these things, when we look for things in the ancient world, and there are fragments and there are different parts, it's because these great works were held together in pieces and separate scrolls as they were, as opposed to one book like we'd have now? Yes. Mm-hmm. Makes makes looking for this stuff in the past, and we've talked about this, you and I have talked about the great lost works of antiquity and where we'd go look for them. That would be a great journey. But it's what makes it so difficult to find. One of the many reasons it's <clears throat> difficult. We have, of course, two thousand years between us, too. Well, then, uh, you know, the the uh, the great repository of scrolls and knowledge of the ancient world was the ancient library of Alexandria in Alexandria, mm-hmm. Egypt. Uh, and uh, no less than Julius Caesar, when he conquered Alexandria, uh, I don't think it was intentional, but maybe it was. Uh, his troops set the library on fire. Awful. And Awful. Uh, so it burned, they, uh, I think it's estimated it, it burned uh, a million scrolls. Mm-hmm. Now, at that point, because that's in the first century BC, 
at that point, were those scrolls, I mean, I'm sure they went to other parts of the ancient world and got other copies of the lost scrolls. So well, you the hope library so. was, was put back, uh, but it's, of course, after many different ones. And I know there's different theories on to when the library was completely burned down, but it was after many different of these burnings and attacks that we lost so much of the ancient world. I mean, it really is. If we could just find some place, uh, you talk about Pompeii and Herculaneum as a possibility for the yeah. recovering some lost works. Yeah, from the ancient uh, villa there. Uh, the, they call it the Villa of, of the Papyrus, the Villa in, in Italian, a Villa dei Papyri. Mm-hmm. And then I just watched this uh, movie called Agora with Rachel Weiss, and it's her portrayal of this, uh, um, you know, uh, outstanding woman. Her name was Hypatia, and she was in. She was like the head of the library about 400 AD when the Roman Empire was falling apart. Um, and the story's about the uh, rise of the Christians there, and uh, they were attacking the Jews and the so-called um, uh, forget the term, but anyhow, uh, uh, pagans, uh, pagans. Thank you. That mm-hmm. worship multiple gods, uh, meaning the Greeks, <clears throat> and uh, she was trying to stop the violence and try to get everybody to get along. But uh, she wound up being a, uh, arrested, and they killed her. Uh, mm-hmm. And in the process, they they burned down the library again. And that's about 480. A number of times we've lost access to these works, at least in that in that one main library. But of course, again, where else could we possibly look is really the interesting question for us in looking back in antiquity and uncovering some of these things. Well, let's let's jump right into chapter nine. So what's going on here in chapter or book nine in the Iliad? In chapter nine is, uh, I'll read you the, the little summary how Agamemnon, now he was the high king that led the Greeks against the Trojans, how Agamemnon sent an embassy, they call it, to Achilles, beseeching him to be appeared and how Achilles denied him. What they mean by appeared is to uh, rejoin the fight against the Trojans. Because uh, I think we said before that uh, because Agamemnon took the love slave, Briseis, away from Achilles, he got all ticked off and uh, he considered a great insult and everything and he refused to fight. And in Homer's world, if your hero refuses to fight, you don't win. You mm-hmm. lose. It's like we talked about. It's having your star player. We're seeing in the NBA playoffs, there's a couple of teams where players have gotten hurt, players have gotten injured without their star players it's hard for these teams to compete, right? Yes. You're looking at the in basketball, they call it a big three sometimes. So one of your big three goes down or two of your big three goes down, you're in trouble. But in the case of the Greeks, they have a big one. And without him, it's really hard for them to win. Correct? Yes. And uh, so that's what the chapter's about. And uh, so I want to read you passages from it. Um, and, uh, and to the audience, of course, um, and uh, written in the grand style of Homer. This is the translation by Robert Fagels of the Iliad. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, Embassy to Achilles, Chapter 9, or Book 9. So the Trojans held their watch that night, but not the Achaeans or the Greeks. Now, here, here's a couple gods mentioned. There was a, a Greek god of panic. How about that? So mm-hmm. God sent panic, sees them, uh, and he's a comrade of blood-curdling rout. So there was a god of rout and panic in the Greek pantheon. Be a really beautiful, really uh, vivid, huh? Yeah. And they did their best. Uh, they, the, the best uh, uh, Greeks were, were struck by grief, too much to bear, as crosswinds chopped the sea where the fish swarm. Here he's making a, those uh, analogies and stuff. The north wind, the west wind, blasting out of Thrace. A lightning attack, wave on blacker wave, crushing a tangled mass of seaweed along the surf. So the Greek hearts were torn inside their chest. Distraught with the rising anguish, Atreus' son, meaning Agamemnon, went back and forth trying to command his heralds and so on. But the morale was broken of the troops, so they were downcast, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, and uh, so, you know, it goes on to say, Lord Marshal Agamemnon rose up in their midst and so on. And, uh, and, he says, Zeus is a harsh, Zeus, the king of the god, is a harsh, cruel god. Uh, he bowed to me long ago. He bowed his head that I would never embark for home until I brought the walls of Ilium, meaning Troy, crashing down. Well, Ilium is actually the Roman version uh, with that I-U-M ending mm-hmm. of Ilion, which is a Greek version of Troy which in, in turn is derived from Ilios, I-L-I-O-S in English. And that's really the true name, or I should say the main name of Troy. That's why Homer calls it the Iliad. It means poem of Ilios. Right, okay. And you're so, pointing out, obviously, the different names, the different uh, translations of that name. So he's trying to urge them to fight on. He says, come now, follow my orders, obey me, all you Greeks. Don't cut and run. Don't sail home to the fatherland we love. We'll never take the broad streets of Troy. But silence held them all, struck dumb by his orders. And here again, we kept saying how Diomedes has been downplayed, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and here it says, finally, Diomedes, Lord of the war, war Cry, broke forth. Agamemnon, I will be the first to oppose you in your folly. So he says that it's, it's uh, Ridiculous uh, at this point, you know, and uh, and uh, so anyhow, he's he's trying to present a different point of view. What's Diomedes? Now we talked about Diomedes several times, and I I said mentioned to you that I thought this guy just seems to have been overlooked in the ancient world and the modern one, and could yeah. really do with a shout out. So what is he? What's Diomedes proposing? Well, I think he's saying uh, enough is enough. I mean, you know, <clears throat> that they're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they have many headway against the Trojans, you know. And, uh, and, and then, you know, in response to him, uh, you know, he, he says, uh, if, if the spirit drives you to sail home, then, then sail away, my king. 
those that followed you from Mycenae, and that's where Agamemnon ruled from, is Mycenae in Greece, mm-hmm. your own proud armada. But the rest of the long-haired Achaeans, you know, uh, I'm saying just the opposite. He, Agamemnon is sort of giving up. Sorry about that. Um, right, yeah, I was wondering because it seemed like, uh, okay. Diomedes wants to fight on. So he, mm-hmm. it says here, but the rest of the long-haired Greeks will hold out right here until we plunder Troy. So he's urging <clears throat> the Greeks to fight on. Let me, Gary, let me ask you a couple of things. Um, just descriptions that are here. And I don't know if I've asked you about a couple of them. So the broad streets of Troy. Now you've been to that region. So was there something very specific? Uh, well, obviously there's something specific. What was, what was it? That <clears throat> I don't know about the, the broad streets, about? streets part, but. Um, do, uh, so do, do we know through archaeology? <clears throat> work? Is there any evidence that they had? No, I, I don't think okay. the evidence, you know, the Germans have been digging here for 30 years or something. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the leader up until about you know, mid-2000s was this Manfred Korfman, University of Tübingen in Germany. I actually met him when he gave a lecture on Troy at the uh, Getty Villa out there in Malibu, which mm-hmm. is a replica of the villa of the papyrus we mentioned earlier. We have segment. gone to a couple of lectures there, as a matter of fact. It's a beautiful place. I, anyone beautiful listening, place. wherever you're listening, if you come to Southern California, the Getty Villa is a must-see. It's absolutely stupendous. So anyhow, uh, he invited me to Troy, and I went there. But on the day I arrived, uh, unfortunately, he, he got called away, so I missed him. But I, I got to see Troy, and that was a, a big thrill for me. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think I mentioned previously that uh, there's a oak trees and there's a big oak tree on the citadel. Um, what did the city look like? When you say you got to see Troy, what did you see? So for well, the listener, what is it that happens when an archaeologist goes and looks at one of these digs? Have they excavated so that such that you can walk down a uh, in, an alleyway? Yeah, or you something can walk down uh, mm-hmm. avenues, if you will, or whatever, but uh, mm-hmm. they, they weren't wide to me. Uh, okay, and then well, the uh, well, they were smaller. You know, back. Uh, they were they I, were smaller back then, right? Yes, and when I was a kid, I, I even questioned this because, uh, you know, Schliemann sort of presented that the uh, the Citadel, which is on a little hill, you know, uh, <clears throat> like uh, the Parthenon is on the Acropolis in, in Athens, um. He was kind of acting like that was the entire city of Troy. And I thought, no, you know, there's only about 30 structures up there on the Citadel. That can't be this great city that the Greeks wanted to take out, you know, that required mm-hmm. thousands of men to to do it. And sure enough, the Montford Korfman and his Germans excavated, and they found the rest of the city down below. Okay. And they, I think they estimate the city held between seven to 10,000 people, which in that uh, ancient time was a lot of people, for, you yeah, know, in a, yeah. in a in a in a certain place like that. Um, uh, it's interesting to think about how small that number is. That's like an apartment complex, you know, area, a neighborhood in uh, yeah in any major city, or much <clears throat> well, far the, less than that actually. But um, so the streets don't seem particularly narrow. They say long-haired Achaeans. So well, uh, wait, well, well, wait a minute. There's one sure. thing Homer mentions which is valid. Mm-hmm. He says the uh, sloped walls of Troy, mm-hmm. and there's a segment where uh, 
he has uh, Patroclus trying to climb up the walls of Troy, and supposedly three times the sacred number, he climbs up the walls, and three times supposedly the god Apollo pushes him back down the sloped walls of Troy. Well, Troy 6, which I think is the Troy of Homer and the Iliad, uh, does have sloped walls, and I, I noted that. Well, hold on. Tell the listener what you mean when you say Troy 6. What is that? What are those numbers? There's uh, multiple cities at Troy. When you dig down, you dig through different occupations. Okay, layers. well, let's, let's go through each of those. Let's talk about what that, that means, because I don't know that well, everyone's going to know what you mean. So it's when like you say a layer cake. Multiple, you know, so, like, okay, so people are built on top of older uh, settlements is what happens. Is what yes. Let me ask you, I mean, again, I want you to just work with this from the standpoint of just the, the novice, okay? So how does that exactly work? So you have Troy 6, and uh, it's it's built upon something else. Something's built it's, upon it. Is it, is it, is it that, that these people abandon a it's city? It's built upon Troy 5. And, okay, uh, and then Troy 7 is built upon Troy 6 kind of thing? Yes. yes. Okay, so when you when you have that, what? how does that happen, Gary? So is it that people are in Troy 6 and then they abandon it and then it well, they, fills they, up? They, or they must have for a period of time and then people go back to live on it and rebuild, you know? So they just build over. Do they tear? So when you're getting another layer, is it because it's kind of been overgrown or filled in or is it just simply that people it's a, have torn a little, down? It's both of those. Okay, you know? that's what I'm trying to understand. Perfect, all right, great. So you think Troy 6 this particular uh, layer is the actual Troy. Okay. And uh, so anyhow, there's an oak tree up there, although the famous oak in the Iliad is an oak outside the uh, main gates of Troy, which is called the Skian Gates. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's supposedly where Achilles and Hector, the chief defender of Troy, have their faithful duel at the uh, almost at the end of the Iliad. Um that was depicted in a movie pretty well, you know, the Brad Pitt, uh, Troy movie. For the listener, we uh, did a review of Troy. Just go to our podcast page and take a listen. So go on. So we're in Chapter 9. They're trying. Diomedes is saying, hey, I want to fight on. Agamemnon is saying, let's cut and head out. Uh, and that's where you left us. Okay. Yeah. And so there's there's kind of a what to do kind of issue going on, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, <clears throat> so, um, so anyhow, um, uh, you know, basically he tells Agamemnon that, you know, what they, what they need to do uh, is, uh, you know, get Achilles back in the war. And so um, and he says, now I tell you what seems best to me. No one will offer a better plan than this. The, the plan I still retain, and I've been forming well for a good long while now. Uh, from the very day that you, my illustrious king, meaning Agamemnon, infuriated Achilles, he went and took from his tents the girl Briseis. I, for one, I urge you against it strenuously, but you, you gave way to your overbearing anger, disgraced a great man, the gods themselves of steam. You seized his gift of honor, you know, considered her a gift of honor, a slave, a love slave, mm-hmm. huh? And we'll talk about that. Okay. And everything. Mm-hmm. 
And Agamemnon responds kind of positively. He says, that's no lie, old man. And he's talking, uh, oh, I guess uh, it was Nestor that was saying that. Uh, okay. King Nestor. I was wondering who was that. So Nestor said that, okay. That's no no lie, old man. A full account you give of all my acts of madness. Mad and blind I was. Why, well, look, that man, meaning Achilles, is worth an entire army. The fighter Zeus holds him dear with all his heart. So I am now bent on setting things to right. I'll give a priceless ransom to him, you know, in other words, to get him back. He wants to bribe him to get get back in the war. And then the next passage is everything he's going to give him, which involves all these what I consider to be sacred symbolic numbers. Right, we've talked and about I, that. I developed a thesis on that. So, so uh, you know, he says, uh, "This is Agamemnon I'm talking." Here, I will name. In full, the splendid gifts I will offer. Seven seven tripods, seven being a sacred number. Ten bars of gold. Ten is another sacred number. Like ten years for the Trojan War, ten years for the Odysseus voice. What are the seven tripods? Seven tripods, yeah. But what what kind of tripod? Like, you know, they, a uh, tripod you for could, a camera. Could, like, what do you, you do? You could burn uh, material in them, you know. Oh, then, got it. Okay. There you a go. flame, sure. you know. Okay. And then, uh, and then twenty burnished uh, cauldrons, I guess for cooking or something. And twenty is twice ten, so apparently in the number system you can have double certain numbers. And then here the most prevalent number is a dozen uh, massive stallions. He's often going to offer him a dozen horses. Now that's there's there's a gift right there. But even more, he says seven William, he goes back to seven, seven women I will give him, flawless, skilled in crafts, women of Lesbos. I'm sure the women may have different. So these are again slaves. These are love slaves. They're love slave. Yeah, we talked about this again for the listener. It's one of the boot the the one of the war attacks, one of the, the offenses of war, certainly to our modern eyes, the idea that you would capture these women, that you would abduct them and use them as sex slaves, essentially. So, um, so okay, so he's offering him seven sex slaves. And then, and then he says, um, along with them will go the one I took away, Briseis. So. so he'll give them the sex slaves and then Briseis, too, and, is yeah. number one. Got it. Okay. Okay, so that's he's going to offer that to Achilles, get him back. You know, yeah. and again, we, we use, and again, apologies uh, in terms of the uh, the war abductions, So, but just putting it in context, it just, again, reminds me of sports and warfare. How yeah, they're just talking the other day about the uh, basketball team. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know better than I that their main player uh, – Got a knee injury. And, yeah, uh, the Clippers. The Clippers. Kawhi Leonard, there. yeah. Kawhi Leonard just went down. And they were uh, <clears throat> afraid they were going to lose that night, but apparently they did win. Yeah, I mean, it's, there is a similarity to the, the ebb and flow of a sports contest where, you know, one person goes down, another warrior steps into the frame. Sometimes people get annoyed when you use warrior about sports, but let's be real. We're talking in the – we understand this isn't life or death, but these guys are – Physical specimens, powerful guys. Well, like and LeBron James. Two thousand years. Mean, yeah, if LeBron James lived two thousand years ago, he'd be storming the walls of Troy. Three thousand. Right. He'd be storming the walls of Troy. I mean, that's just that's just a given. Um. All right. So now, now, like in a so sporting event, they, they're going to so go make, they, make um, him an offer, a deal. 
Okay. So didn't uh, Nestor recommends that Agamemnon uh, send an embassy, he calls it, and uh, and the embassy is uh, it's going to include a, another old guy by the name of Phoenix. It's interesting. Phoenix, Arizona is derived from that name. Uh, uh-huh. And then the giant Ajax, the great Ajax, who is the second greatest warrior, you know, after after Achilles, and the mm-hmm. tactful royal Odysseus. And then he's sending two other guys. Uh, first name is kind of funny to me, Odysseus, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Whatever, whatever. And and, and you're, you're a Batis. That so name has it. that name hasn't aged well in our contemporary no, era, right? No, Odysseus hasn't. <laughs> but anyhow, um, but he says Odysseus most of all, you know, because he's such a persuader, you know. Yeah, yeah, Odysseus is. Uh, and so he said five men all together, and he says we'll hear more about him, and of course when we get to the Odyssey. But anyway, so so then on. it goes on. So Ajax and Odysseus made their way at once, where the battle lines of breakers crash and drag, and so on. Um, that they might bring the proud heart of Achilles round with speed and ease. Reaching the Myrmidon shelters. Now, Achilles' warriors are called the Myrmidons, which means army ants, which I think is interesting. Army ants? Yeah, army ants. Wow, that's a cool name. Okay. And uh, so they're they're from, uh, you know, uh, Achilles' uh, kingdom there. And it's called Pythia, which is in modern-day Thessaly. And so... Um, and so they, they reached the shelters and the ships. They found him, meaning Achilles there, delighting his heart now. They found him playing the lyre. So I guess Achilles had some musical talent. Achilles was lifting his spirits. Across him was his Patroclus, who is his dear friend, and they people say his, his lover, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, on they came with good Odysseus in the lead and so on. And Achilles greets him well. You know, he says... Welcome, look, dear friends. They have come our way. I must be sorely, I must be sorely needed now. My dearest friends in all the Greek armies, even in my anger. So Prince Achilles hailed them and led them in, and so on. He gave them wine, and um, so anyhow, Odysseus fills his cup and then lifts it towards Achilles, opening with a toast to your health, Achilles. How about that? You know. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, and um, so anyhow, he says, um, Agamemnon, you know, he, he tells him Agamemnon wants to make amends, wants to make up for, you know, his his great insult to Achilles. And, uh, and he, he tells him, you know, the long list of all the gifts he's wanting to give and all that, you know. And he says, so now... At last, stop Achilles. Let your heart-devouring anger go. The king will hand you gifts to match his insults. If only you'll relent and end your anger. So he's telling him to do it. And then he tells him also that he'll get uh, Bryce's back too, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so all that, you know? And then it, it goes on and it says, the famous runner, you know, because one of the epithets, usually these two-word descriptors mm-hmm. of characters or things in the Iliad, uh, like man-slain Hector and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, for Achilles, a swift-footed Achilles. Mm. 
They did show that in the movie Troy where uh, Achilles runs at this giant of a guy, you know, in single combat and manages to avoid his sword slash and and, uh, stabs him and kills him, you know, one stroke and all that. Right. Achilles would be like, again, a modern day gifted athlete. Yeah. He'd be like LeBron James. Um, Sure. Sure. And so it says the famous runner Achilles rose to the challenge. Royal son of Laertes, Odysseus, great tactician. Uh, I must say what I have to say straight out. I must tell you how I feel and how all this will end. He says, I hate that man, meaning Agamemnon. Like the very gates of death. Will Agamemnon win me over? Not for all the world. And where are all the rest of the Greek armies? So anyhow, he uh, mm-hmm. he goes on to brag about what he did. You know, he, he doesn't mind telling you his accomplishments. And he says, 12, interestingly, the number 12, you know, the sacred mm-hmm. number again. Uh, 12 cities of men I've stormed and sacked from shipboard. And so uh, until we reached the fertile earth of Troy. And I dragged off piles of splendid plunder. So what he's saying is he doesn't need Agamemnon's bribes because he has mm-hmm. plenty already, you know. And then he goes on with his entry. He says, why must we battle Trojans? Uh, and why must an army lead us here, that son of uh, Atreus, meaning Agamemnon? And uh, so he, he's saying, you know, why? In other words, he has, yeah, he has no, why are we here? Yeah, he, he, yeah why are we here? He, you know, he, he's not, he's not, he hasn't been wronged by the Trojans, so why is he even doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he says, uh, don't try me now. You know, I know him too well, meaning Agamemnon. He will never win me over. No, this is, uh, no, though I, I, though as long as I fought on Achaea's lines or the Greek lines, Hector had little less to charge behind his walls, which I think is a little bit over the top bragging. Never venture beyond the skin gates and the oak tree. So in other words, he's saying that Hector wouldn't stand up to him, which isn't true. He mm-hmm. eventually does. Tomorrow at daybreak, once I have sacrificed to Zeus and all the gods and loaded up my holds and launched out on the waves, uh, in other words, he's going to sail back home. Mm-hmm. You will see my ship sail at dawn, fanning out on the Hellespont, which is the sea channel between uh, the Aegean Sea and the Black Sea, until I reach the rich soil Pythia. That's his kingdom. There lies my wealth and so on. So... Uh, so how do, because we're because we're coming we're a little bit over. So how does how do we end the chapter? So does the wooing work? Do they get him? Do they? No, does they the don't. Work? They, don't. No, they don't. Okay. okay. And the thing yeah. is, he refuses to fight, and uh, so Odysseus and Ajax and so on they go back empty-handed, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Achilles is set to leave. That's how we end the chapter. The the other great uh, Greeks leave. Yeah, and this is what Odysseus says at the end of the chapter. And he says, Long and Durius Odysseus spoke, quote, Great Marshal Atreides, meaning uh, Lord of Men, Agamemnon. That man, meaning Achilles, has no intention of quenching his rage. He's still bursting with anger more than ever. He spurns you, spurns all your gifts. So that's that's basically it, you know? Wow, wow. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll pick up and see what happens in chapter 10 
when we come back to the Iliads, but we will end chapter nine with sort of the uh, the Greek cause hanging in the balance because without Achilles, they don't have a lot of hope. So stay tuned. It's a little cliffhanger. Hope, according to yeah. Homer. Yeah, that's a cliffhanger. So stay tuned. Uh, once again, I want to thank, as always, our guide on the Iliad, Dr. Gary Stickle. Thank you, Gary. Well, thank you. It's always fun to do these things. And thank you all for listening. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and this is the 34 Circe Salon, the Parallax Channel. We've been doing our classical studies 101, the Iliad. We'll be back again soon. Take care. Mm-hmm.